Take out your Bibles, take out your sermon notes today, and today we're going to continue the the thought the, that we started last week about walking in the favor of the Lord. And if you remember several weeks ago, actually the very first Sunday of January, we we called a congregational fast. And over this, uh, every Wednesday at lunch, as a congregation, we've been setting aside our noonday meal and we've been seeking the Lord and we've been asking for several different things. And I gave all of that to you uh, way back when, when we started that. But one of the things we've been asking for is for God's favor, for his favor on our lives, for his favor on our families, for his favor on our church. And it's one thing to ask for God's favor, but it's something else entirely to continue receiving God's favor or walking in his favor. If we're going to ask for his favor and if he grants us his favor, which by the way, and and I shared this with you um, just by way of bullet points, but a wonderful devotion time for you would be to go back and study all the different people in, in the Bible that received God's favor. That's a wonderful, very inspiring study for you that will encourage you to just to see those that that walked in his favor. But if we're going to walk in his favor, it's going to require some things of us. And that's what I've been spending last Sunday, today, and next Sunday talking about when we're talking about walking in the favor of the Lord. Now, last week, I shared with you there are three different areas that we must walk in. As, as we're receiving God's favor, we're asking for it, we're in this congregational fast, which by the way, will end in two weeks. We're We've got two more. We're going to fast this week and then next week. And that'll be, that'll take in January and February. And then we're going to call off the congregational fast. And if you want to continue fasting or you want to increase it or do whatever, that's between you and the Lord. And you can do that. But as far as our congregation is concerned, we're going to go through the end of the month. Okay. So that's this week and next week. And we'll be, we'll be done with that. But as we are receiving God's favor, we want to walk in his favor. And for us to walk in his favor, there are three areas that we've got to focus on in our daily and key word is daily, our daily walk. There's some things that we must do in order to maintain God's favor on our life. The first thing we must do, we must learn how to walk in Christ. We must learn what does it mean to walk as a believer, to walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. And last week I shared with you about seven different areas that, that we need to focus on in order to walk daily in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today I want to talk to you about walking daily in the Word. Our walk in the Word. Our daily walk in the Word of God. And next Sunday, actually, yeah, next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about how we walk daily in prayer. But those are the three areas that we must walk in every single day. We must walk in Christ. We must walk in His Word. And we must walk in a spirit of prayer. And the premise of next week's message is going to be the verse where it says, pray without ceasing. And I'm going to talk to you on how do we do that? I mean, we all have jobs, we have families, we have responsibilities, we have other things. How do we walk daily in prayer without ever ceasing? And that's what I'm going to talk about next week. But today I want to talk to us about our daily walk in the the word. Now, once again, the key phrase in this title for this message today is daily. There are some things that we must be doing every day in the Word of God to continue walking in His favor. It's one thing to ask for it. It's something else to walk in it. Would you agree? 
So we've been asking, so now we're trying to give you some practical ways that we can walk and continue our walk in His favor. So before we go any farther, let's just read the scripture together in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1. Let's read this verse together. It's in your notes. I believe it may be on the screen. Yes, it is. You got to remember, we sit in the office and we type all this stuff up and sometimes I forget what I put in the screen. I forget what I put in your notes. So kind of just bear with me on some of that stuff here. But let's read this verse together. The Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Then it goes on to say, with all humility and with gentleness and with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. The point is that we are to walk. Now, look what Paul said. Paul said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. You know what that word means? It's, it's, the, it's the word you'll see in some other translations that talks about a bond slave or a bond servant. Now, it's not a slave that's been made to serve. It's really a slave, and back in the day of slavery in the Old Testament, the New Testament days, it, it was a time when, when a slave was purchased off the auction block. And the owner of that slave would purchase him, and then he would write on his papers, you are free, I have bought you with a price, I paid a high supreme sacrifice and dollar amount for you, I have purchased you, you're no longer a slave, you're a free person, go and do whatever you want to do. Well, that person in return would then, because they were so grateful for the person that purchased them out of bondage, if you will, or slavery, that they would choose now to be their slave. And then you know what they would do? They would give them some type of piercing. That slave would receive some type of piercing that they would signify to that owner that purchased me that I am going to choose to serve you all the days of my life and I am going to serve you and you alone. I am your bond slave. You purchased, you bought my bond, you set me free, but I am choosing to serve you. I'm giving you my life to serve you. That's what it means by being a prisoner of the Lord or a bond slave. It doesn't mean this is a whole list of things you have to do. It means I'm choosing to do this. And you know what, guys? The choice is ultimately yours. You see, I believe you have as much blessing of God on your life that you want to receive. Amen? God's just not going to get out a Holy Ghost hammer. Sometimes I wish he would give me that authority. Sometimes I wish God would give me a Holy Ghost hammer and just hit people over the head with it, and boom, their lives are straightened out. And I'd be the first one I would hit to keep my life straightened out. But God doesn't make us do anything. He allows us, and what is really the the greatest blessing that we have as humans is the ability to choose. Is it not? We're free to choose whatever it is we want to choose. But you know what goes along with that, and I cannot say that without saying what else goes with that. What goes with that? You are not then free to choose the consequences of your choices. You see, your consequences are going to be a direct result, result of the choice that you made. And if we are going to choose now to walk in the Lord, there's going to be some blessings that's going to come our way as a result of that. That's part of the consequences of it, right? But here we're making a conscious effort, a choice to, to walk worthy of our calling. And if we're going to walk in the favor of the Lord, then we've got to learn to do the second thing of what I've been talking about, and that's to walk in scripture. How many have your Bibles with you? Do you have your Bibles with you? 
I want to encourage you to bring them, especially if you come to our 930 Bible class. And, and uh, we have a, a great time just going through the Bible verse by verse and turning to different passages. But how many have a copy of the Bible? Raise your hand. You have a copy of God's Word. How many have more than one copy of God's Word? I wonder who has the most in here. How many has 10 copies of God's Word? How many have 11? You've got 10? Tanya, I think, raised her hand. She's got 10 copies of God's Word. That's awesome. That's good. We are blessed, are we not? You come to my library and you see a whole shelf. I, I just love Bibles. I mean, I'll go in a bookstore and as I travel around the country, I'll, I'll find a Christian bookstore somewhere and, and I'll go in there and, and I'll just look at the Bibles and I love the way they handle and they feel and the way they smell. I love my favorite store in all the world. Some of you already know this. You might tell me what my favorite store is in all the world. Barnes and Nobles. Many of you already know that. I love to go to Barnes and Nobles. I mean, all the books that are there and there's one other thing that's there at Barnes and Nobles that I absolutely love and Starbucks. Yeah, there's that white chocolate mocha latte vente. I get it every time I go. I love that thing. And I love to get a, a book and sit down and read that. But there's nothing that I love more than the Bible. I mean, I just love it. I love the way they feel. I love all the different wide margin and center references and reference Bibles and study Bibles. And you name a Bible and I probably have it. How many just heard uh, Hank Hanegraaff promoting his, his Bible about the Defender? That's an awesome Bible. I just bought it. It's an awesome Bible. I got it on my study and I'll look at it sometime. And it's cool. I love God's Word. You know what I want to try to create in you? I want to try to create in you a hunger and a love for the Word of God. All that we would fall in love with the Bible. All that we would fall in love with God's Word. And dig it out and glean from it every single day of our lives. Let me share with you a few things about the Bible. And this is in your notes. The Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years. The Bible was written by over 40 different authors from all walks of life. There were kings and there were military leaders and there were peasants and there were philosophers and fishermen and tax collectors and poets and statesmen and musicians and scholars and shepherds. That's pretty amazing, is it not? The Bible was written in many different places and many different times by many different people that were experiencing many different moods whenever they were writing. The Bible was written on three different continents in Asia, Africa, and Europe. The Bible was written in three different original languages and that was Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. The Bible was written with many different literary styles and it's poetry and historical and narrative and there's romance and there's law and there's biography and there's parables and there's allegories and there's prophecies. We can see all of that in the Word of God. We also know that the Bible has its main character. You may tell me who the main character of the Bible is. It's God himself. And he's made himself known through the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I love we were at the men's conference and, um, and there was one of the, uh, the speakers there that said something about the Bible that reminded me about a mission trip that I went on to Mexico. I was down in Reynosa, Mexico. And, and we were preaching to... We went into a, a little village where people were literally living in, in houses that were made out of, out of pallets. You see, the U.S. had just gone in across into the border of Mexico, right outside of McAllen, Texas. 
And they'd built these huge manufacturing companies that were legally and officially in Mexico, right across the border. You could stand at the U.S. and look right across the border and see all these U.S. manufacturing companies there. And by the thousands, literally, the Mexicans were coming up to the border towns to get jobs. Well, they had no money and they had no homes, no houses. And they would go behind these these manufacturing companies and they would take the pallets. And they would take those pallets and they would go and they, they had what was called squatter's rights. And they would go and they would build themselves a little house out of some pallets with a, with a hard dirt floor that they would water down and they would sweep. And dad would go off and he would work in these U.S. factories making a ridiculously low amount of money. God forgive us for such a greedy, self-centered, hello, anybody with me? Spirit in America. But they would go and they would work there. We would go into these little villages and these squatters area and we would preach the word. I remember I was on one trip and there were me and about five or six other pastors and we all went together and, and we each took turns preaching. And we preached all day long. We, I mean, wherever you go, here's something I have learned about the Mexicans and you guys that are Hispanic descent, you know this. You couldn't ever get them to show up on time. If service started at 10, they'd get there by 11. I mean, they'd start rolling in, you know. But something else about them, they would never leave. I mean, they would absolutely preach you to death. Literally. I would be exhausted. They were so hungry for the Word. And I remember preaching all day long, and I turned it over to Brother Julius Hall. He just went on to be with the Lord here a couple months back. I turned it over to Brother Julius Hall, and he was at that time, and this was many, several years ago, at that particular time, he was in his 70s or so, and he got up and it had fallen dark. There were no street lots in these communities. There were no front porch lots. But you know what they did have out in the front yard of one of the little pallet houses? There was a tree. And one of the guys, one of the dads that was there, and people would pull up cinder blocks and they would turn them up on their ends and they'd sit on those cinder blocks and and by the hundreds and just listen to you preach. It's amazing the hunger that they have for the word. And it got dark and Brother Julius Hall could not see his Bible, nor could he see his notes. And the wind was blowing. And so, you know what one of the, one of the dads that was living in one of those homes did? He went, he was one of the few that had a car. Now, the car that he had, you would probably be embarrassed to drive that car around, but it was his only means of transportation. You know what he did? He went to his car and he opened the hood and he took out his battery. And he brought it over and he sat it down beside that tree. And I'm thinking, what in the world is he doing? No one asked him to do this. But it was getting dark and Brother Julius Hall couldn't see his notes or his Bible. He was having trouble seeing and... So he got up and he went and he opened the hood of his car and got his battery, brought it back out, sat it down by the tree, ran into his house that was made out of pallets, brought out an extension cord with a light bulb on the end of it, about 15 feet long. And he threw that thing up in the tree and let that light bulb hang over. And he put the ends of it on that battery and he wrapped it around the terminals and we had light, voila. And I remember Julius Hall grabbing, seeing that taking place and he slid over right underneath that light bulb where he could read the Bible 
and his notes that he had prepared for that message that day. You know what his message was? I was reminded last week at the men's conference. His message was, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to speak to you today about God's love letter. And he preached a message about the love of God and a love that we should have for him and for his word. I'll never forget that moment, that particular day. I said all that to say this. This is God's love letter to you. Many of you may have received some type of card for Valentine's Day. And in there, there may have been words that said, I love you. Or there may have been some that expounded about you as an individual and they shared how much they care. And and you read that with great anticipation, did you not? You're eager to get it. What was that? That was a love letter that your loved one wrote to you. You know what God said? He said, I love you. And you know what he's done? He's written you a love letter. And it's called his word, his Bible. He wants you to read it. But how his heart must be broken over the fact that we just don't have time. Matter of fact, we have more more loyalty. Get this now. We have more loyalty to our cell phones than we do the Bible. We have more loyalty to our cell phones than we do God's Word. What a shame. Watch this short video clip, if you will, please. What if our Bible were just as important as our cell phone? We treated it like we couldn't live without it. When we forgot it, we went back to get it. We had lots of gadgets to keep us connected to it. We always had it close by in case of an emergency. We carried it around in our purses and pockets. We checked it throughout the day for new messages. We were constantly going over our minutes every month. We made sure our battery never ran low. What if our Bibles were just as important as our cell phones? Well, I'm here to tell you today, our Bibles are far more important than our cell phones. Would you agree? So I want to try to create today in you a hunger for God's word. And I hope I've already whet your appetite for that. And I hope maybe the Holy Spirit's already done his work in your heart to let you see how much we either need to get in God's word more or how much we just need to fall in love with God's word more. But it is a love letter to you. And it is a book that I want to encourage you to spend time in every single day. So if we are going to walk daily in the word of God... If we're going to walk daily in God's word, how do we do that? What does that look like? What does it mean to walk daily? I just want to share with you three things and I'll be somewhat brief. (laughs) 
everybody laughs right there, I know. But I'm trying to be somewhat brief in what I'm going to share with you about how we walk daily in God's Word. Number one, jot this down if you will, please. If you're going to walk daily in God's Word, then number one, you must study the Scriptures daily. You must study the Scriptures Every single day. Now, there's a difference between reading God's Word and studying God's Word. There's a huge difference. I mean, I think you should read it every day. But I think you should go farther than that. And there should be some time spent alone with you and God where you are in study. You're breaking down a verse. You're dissecting a verse. You're digging out the gems and the golden nuggets in that particular passage of Scripture. You're doing some word studies. And by the way, how many have access to the Internet? Raise your hand. Hold it up high. You have access to the internet somehow, some way. Here's a website I want you to write down. Many of you do not have the Bible software that I have. You don't have the resources that I have as far as Bible software. I've spent years of building my electronic library and on my laptop. I have literally thousands and thousands of Bible resource books and Bibles at, at my disposal that quick. But here's a website I want you to jot down. It's BibleGateway.com. Okay, BibleGateway.com. And there at that website, you'll have almost a full, almost a full package or resource a material that will help you study God's Word. You'll have word studies there. You'll have concordances there. You'll have commentaries there. You'll have many different translations there. It's all on the internet, BibleGateway.com. You can go there and it's free. doesn't cost you a thing. You can go there and study. But the point is we've got to spend time every single day studying God's Word. This morning as I was in the shower... And I'm thinking about my three points that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. I know it's kind of a crazy place to do some meditation, but I was spending some time washing my hair. (laughs) And that consists of a wash rag and a bar of soap and just go over it, okay? But as I was thinking about study, there was an acronym that came to me. It just kind of, boom, just came in my shower. And as soon as I got out, I grabbed my pen and paper and I wrote it down real quickly. And But here's the acronym that, that I just got this morning. You call it whatever you want to call it. Maybe the water was too hot and there was too much steam in there. I don't know. But this is kind of what came. For the word study, I, I, I said this. We need to sacrifice time undisturbed, deliberately yielding to the Holy Spirit. If we're going to study God's word, it's going to take sacrifice. For the, for the letter S, write down sacrifice. This is not in your notes or anything. This kind of came this morning. We've got to sacrifice. What are we going to have to sacrifice in order to study? We're going to have to sacrifice some time. You see, you may have to TiVo American Idol instead of watching it at its prime time. Matter of fact, the best way to watch that stuff anyway is DVR, TiVo. That way you can just fast forward through all the commercials. You can watch an hour program in about 25 minutes or so. You know, it's kind of cool. But you got to sacrifice time. The letter U stands for undisturbed. Sacrifice, T, time. The letter U, undisturbed. You see, you can't really study God's Word where you're going to be disturbed. Where there's going to be hindrances or, or things that's going to come and disturb you and break your concentration. So you got to find a place where you can sacrifice some time and be undisturbed. And then for the letter D, actually, I, 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 there, there's about three or four different adjectives that I wrote down with, that start with D. But I'm just going to use the one deliberately. We must deliberately 
And the letter Y is yield. What are we yielding to? We're yielding ourselves to the authority of God's word. We're yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit as he illuminates the word of God and convicts our spirits and our hearts and our lives. And we're yielding to that. So there has to be a spirit of submission. So for study, everybody get that? What are we going to do? We're going to say it together. We're going to sacrifice time undisturbed, deliberately yielding ourselves to the word of God and the Holy Spirit as we study God's Word. Somebody ought to take that and write a book on it. That's pretty awesome. Amen? Somebody probably will do that before I get a chance to do it. Anyway, here it is. We need to study God's Word. What does the Bible say about that? Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15. The Bible says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the Word of truth. Talking about the Word of God, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4, 15, practice these things, be committed to them, so that your progress may be evident to all. The next passage of Scripture in 1 Peter 2 and 2, like newborn infants or babes in Christ, desire the unadulterated or sincere milk of the Word of God, so that you may grow by it in your salvation. Here's the point, guys. The point is, we've got to study God's Word. And we've got to do that on a daily basis. If we are going to walk in the favor of the Lord, we're asking for it. We're trusting he's going to give us his favor. And if we're going to walk in his favor, we've got to spend time every single day studying God's word. Digging out the principles. Digging out the stories. Digging out the golden nuggets. Mining for for spiritual gold that we can find in the word of God. It's there. It's there. We just got to do it. And we've got to get excited about it. And I promise you, when you mine out your first little golden nugget, it will create a hunger in you like you've never seen before. And it will drive you. But you got to get in there and do it. You got to get in there and study it out. So let me share with you two things very quickly about the Word of God. Here's one thing I want you to know. First thing I want you to know is this. The Bible is. Write down the word is. The Bible is. God's Word. From Genesis to Revelation, it's the Word of God. Now, you will hear some liberal theologians today tell you that the Bible contains the Word of God. That's a liberal theology. Do not agree with that. It's somewhat deceptive at first. And if we're not real careful, we'll say, well, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that statement. Yeah, it does contain. No, it doesn't. It is the Word of God. It doesn't simply contain the Word of God. Because if you're going to tell me it contains the Word of God, then what you're saying is, well, what portion really is God's Word and what does contain God's Word in here? This is not just a 55-gallon barrel and just stuff in there. This is God's Word. Does that make sense? It doesn't just contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture... Everybody say that together. All Scripture... Have you heard people tell you, well, I just believe the New Testament, but I don't believe the Old. Or you'll have people tell you, well, I believe the Old Testament, but I do not accept the New. God's Word says that all Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, major prophets and minor prophets, the poetry books as well as the historical books, the Pauline epistles as well as the gospel, the prophecy books as well as any other book, it's all God's Word, all Scripture. Is what? Inspired by God. 
What does that word mean? Here's the word picture for the Greek word inspired. It means God breathed. It's the Greek word pneuma. He breathed. The word of God that we have is inspired. It's God breathed. And look what it says it is. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. This Bible that we have is the Word of God. It is God-breathed. Let me share with you something else real quickly. This is not in your notes. But I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter number 1. And if your neighbor doesn't have a copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to share with them, reach over there and let them see it, and kind of let's all look at this together. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 19. I don't have this on the PowerPoint or in your notes, but I want you to see this. Peter's writing, he says this. So we have the prophetic word strongly confirmed. You would do well to pay attention to it. I like that phrase. That's kind of Peter. I mean, if you know anything about Peter, that's kind of how he does business. You know, this is God's word. Pay attention to it. You know, he's just an old rusty fisherman, a little rough on the edges and just kind of calls a spade a spade and just tells it like it is. And I kind of like that. We have the prophetic word strongly confirmed. You will do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dismal place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. Verse 20. First of all, you should know that this, you should know this, no prophecy of scripture comes from one's own interpretation. Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, moved by the Holy Spirit, men spoke from God. You know what that, that means? It's saying that what we have is the Word of God. And the way that we got God's Word is that God used the Holy Spirit to write through these men. It's not one man's own interpretation. Yes, we see all these 40 some odd different authors in the Bible. But those men were not free to write just anything they wanted to write. They were moved. You've seen that we've used the illustration before and I won't use it today. And how I brought two men up one time and, and stood, had one standing in the middle. We kind of took him in the direction that he was to go. That's what it means. God inspired these men to write the Word of God. But the Holy Spirit led these men. These men didn't, were not free to write just whatever they wanted to write. This is the Word of God. It's God-breathed. And the Holy Spirit spoke through these men and led them into the direction that they were to go. Now, here's the amazing thing about the Word of God. There are no contradictions in it. I mean, Matthew's Gospels lines up with Luke's Gospel. And Paul's writings line up with James's and Peter's writings. And all the way through, we don't see the, the contradictions that we would see today if I took two men from the very same family, living in the very same culture, from the very same background, put one in that room, one in the other, and said, right on a particular topic, I guarantee you I'd get two opposite views. Would you not? Yeah, we would. But here we find these 40 different authors that wrote over a period of 1,500 years, and everything comes together. What does that tell me? And what does that tell us? That there's really one author. And that author is God himself. The Word of God is the Scripture is God breathed. And the, and the Holy Spirit moved on these men and they wrote the Word of God. But look what it is. I want you to see that God's Word is profitable to you. 
It's profitable for teaching. What's the best way to raise our children and teach them? In according to the word of God. It's profitable for you. For rebuking. For correcting. For training in righteousness. We need to understand that God's word is certainly profitable to us. And I've got to move on from that. Second thing I want you to see is this. The letter B there. You must diligently study and teach the word of God. Now study we've already talked about. But we must study. And what's the purpose of studying God's word? So that we can teach God's word. You see guys. You may never teach on this level. But you should be influencing someone with the word of God. And all of you dads that are here. You should be influencing your family with God's word. You're the one that's the head of the house. You're the one that the responsibility rests upon. And you're the one, men. Hello, guys. It's our responsibility as dads. It's our responsibility as husbands to teach our family the word of God. And the ways of God. And the principles of God. Listen, it's not the wife's job to take the kids to church while you lay at home in the recliner. And let me tell you something that's unique about our church. It's very unique. We have more men in ministry than we do ladies. I want you to tell you, that is not the norm. Understand that. I was inv- I've been involved in churches and ministries where we have three times as many women involved in ministry as we've got men. Matter of fact, the whole evangelism effort of the church is trying to get these husbands converted. I'm serious. I mean, you're looking all across the congregation are blue-haired ladies. <laughs> maybe they've dyed it now. Maybe it's blonde. And The point is, it's... Mostly, listen, Victory Church is very unique in the fact that we have a church full of men that are taking their roles in the local church. I think that's awesome. And by the way, let's give our guys a hand. You're to be commended for that. I want you to understand that is unique. Don't take it for granted, men. Don't, do not take it for granted what we are able to experience here. But we are to teach. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. I like the amplified version of that very same verse. Look what it says. It says, Study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by a trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing it and accurately dividing, rightly handling, skillfully teaching the word of truth. I like that. That's our job. Our job is to be diligent. Our job is to study. That means to set our heart upon, to be diligent, to hurry, to rush, to seek for God's approval. And we should be rightly dividing the word of God so that we can teach others. You remember what Paul said in one of his epistles? He was writing to the church and he says, when you should be teaching others, you have need that someone teach you. And that was kind of a rebuke that he put on them. Guys, we're all to be teaching. And by the way, let me, let me just share this. We are in the process as a church. As a leadership team, I shared this with our leadership team the other week. We're getting some things worked out logistically. But we are in the process of trying to start back once again our Sunday school ministry for our children from toddlers and preschoolers all the way through high school 
and as well as have our adult Bible class at 930. But we're in the process of trying to do that. Now, we're trying to put the pieces together and we're going to be dividing the classes and we're going to be putting teachers in place. But you know what we need? We need teachers. We need teachers to teach our kids. Now, you may not be able to stand on a platform and teach the whole church. That may not be your comfort level. But I wonder, are you able to take some five and six-year-olds, seven and eight-year-olds, three and four-year-olds, 11 and 12-year-olds, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds? Are you able to take any groups of those individuals and teach them the Word of God? We need teachers. We need workers. And the only way you can do that is if you're walking daily in God's Word and you're studying out God's Word, we will give you the curriculum. We will have a set curriculum that we're going to use. You just have to study and prepare and get ready to teach. By the way, if you're willing to do that, I need you to sign up today on the connection card. Let us know you're willing to do that. By the way, let me give you a praise report. I wasn't real sure how that was going to work out with the school for us being able to get more space so that we could set up classes and be able to have a time where we teach our children the Word of God. This week... I was contacted by Dr. McGowan and he said, Pastor, we would be more than pleased to give you the amount of space that you need in order to carry out your ministry while you're in a transition period. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That was weak. We ought to pray. Listen, I was worried about that. Concern and worrying is really a lack of faith. That's sin. I know that. But I thank God. You want me to tell you what we've got? Let me tell you what we've got. There's evidence of what? God's, who said it? Favor. That was evidence of what? God's favor. What are we asking for specifically? God's favor. He's revealing it. Every single day in different situations, He's revealing His favor. So what's that going to require of us? That we walk in His favor. That we walk in the newness of Christ, as I talked about last week. That we walk daily in the Word of God. And to do that, we've got to study God's Word. And I've got to hurry. I told you I'd be quick. Number two, jot this one down. We must memorize the Scripture daily. Not only study the Scripture daily, but we must memorize the Scripture on a daily basis. Psalm 119, verse 9 down through verse 11. says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all of my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. King James Version, where I I memorized this particular verse of Scripture, said, I have hid in my heart. I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you guys how are we going to hide god's word in our heart listen as much as we should never be without a copy of god's word we should carry it around we should have it in the car we should have it nearby but there are going to be moments when satan will tempt you well he will attack you or someone will come and want you to give an account for what you believe and peter tells us we need to be ready to give an answer to those that question our faith we need to know what we believe and why we believe it But the point is this, the only way you're going to be able to do that is when you hide God's word in your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Have we done that? Are we memorizing God's word? I asked this morning in the Bible class and I gave you a great little verse to start memorizing. It depends on which translation you want to use. But in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, this morning in our Bible study time, it would be a great little verse to memorize. Does anybody remember what it is? Starts with a void. 
Avoid all appearance of evil. Who said that? I'm going to give you credit there. John, good job. Avoid all appearance of evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22. The point is, we've got to find some verses of Scripture and memorize those verses. Now, I'm going to get away a little bit from my notes. I want you, I'm going to put these blanks in there for you to fill in. I'm not going to use a lot of Scripture, but, but look, if you will. The first thing about God's Word is that it's up to you. The choice is up to you. Write that down. It's going to be up to you to memorize God's Word. The choice is going to be entirely up to you. Okay? Now, let me stop right there. What is the best way to memorize God's Word? I was just talking and counseling with a pastor two weeks ago. And matter of fact, he was, he was on a bus and he was traveling with his church. And he was the pastor of this particular church down in North Carolina. And they were headed to Myrtle Beach for a couple's retreat. And I corrected him. I said, brother, it's not spiritual for Christians to go to the beach. We go to the coast. Anyway, but he was asking, he was saying, he was saying, how do you, he was talking about memorizing scripture. How do you memorize scripture? And he's in the back of the bus and we're talking. I said, here's what I've chosen to do. And it seems to work best for me. You choose your method. But listen, if you don't have a method, then I promise you my method's working better than your method. Hello? Use whatever method you want to use. But here's how I have discerned which verses I am going to put to memory. It's very difficult for me just to open the Bible and grab some verses or grab a handful of cards and, and write them down and just memorize verses out of the blue. That's very difficult for me. But what I have found that's made it somewhat easier to do is to find scriptures that speak into my heart, into my spirit, in the exact situation that I find myself in at that particular moment in my life. In other words, if I'm discouraged, I'm going to look for verses that encourage me. If I'm struggling with studying God's Word, I'm going to look for verses that relate to God's Word. If I'm struggling with with my wife and we're getting in a huge fight and fuss, which we didn't, or recently anyway, and, and I'm looking for something to try to help me with that, I'm going to find a verse that speaks into my heart according to that situation. Does that make sense? If I'm having a child that's rebelling, I'm going to search for a verse that will help me in Christian parenting principles and skills that will help me in raising up that child in the way he should go, he or she should go. Now that gives that verse meaning to me. Right? And it's something now that's real and relevant to me in the way that I'm living and what situation I'm in at that particular moment. So here's what I want you to do. In order to do this, you're going to have to have a good topical index. And there's some great topical books that are out there and my shelves are full full of them in my personal library. But you can go to BibleGateway.com and there you can type in a topic, whatever particular topic that you may be dealing with as an individual. And it'll bring you all kind of resources and information and scripture and commentaries and word studies that deal with that particular topic and search for a scripture that speaks to your heart and write that verse down on a three by five card. I write it down in my palm. I've got a palm pile or, or, a, or the palm trio and, and I'll put it in my note page and I'll put it right there and I always have it with me and, and I'll memorize off of that. But I'm finding a verse that really speaks to me on where I am at that particular time in my life. And that's the easiest way to memorize Scripture. We all can do that, okay? We all can do that. Just let me give you the notes so you can fill in the rest of your blanks there. That's all I'm going to say about memorizing Scripture. But the choice is up to you. If you'll help me just scroll through this, get to the next one. The reason why you are to let the Word of Christ dwell in your heart is that you are to teach and admonish others. Write those words down, please. You can take your notes home and study the scripture stuff that I gave with it, but I'm going to skip over this. You can teach, admonish, admonish others. Then the letter C, go ahead and scroll through, if you will, please. Let's get to the next one. 
You are to be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude. And all of that is from Colossians 3 and verse number 16, where it talks about letting the word of Christ, the word of God, dwell in you richly. Okay? I'm just running out of time. I don't have time to unpack all of this stuff. I always put too much in my notes to cover in a 30-minute period, and I apologize for that. Number three, let's go on to the last one. Not only must you study, not only must you memorize, but thirdly, you must apply the Scriptures to your life daily. Apply the Scriptures. It's not enough to have a head knowledge, guys. We've got to bring it a little bit farther. We've got to implement those principles in God's Word in our life and live by those particular words. Let me back up one. Let's go back to apply. Going back a little more. Oh, maybe I need to go forward. Did I not put that in there? Going forward. A little more. Is that the last one? Hello, it's time to sing, right? <laughs> I apologize. I didn't put it in there, okay? Here's what you got to do. Number three, apply the scriptures to your life daily. Apply the scriptures. Everybody get that? We've got to apply it. Second Timothy 3.14 says this, But as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believe, knowing those from whom you have learned. Just so you can fill in your blanks at the bottom, and I'm done. I'm not going to have time to expound on all of this, and I feel like I'm done. I want you to jot these down, and they're not even on the screen either. At the very bottom, you've got four different things it's talking about. You must learn the Scripture. Write down learn. You must firmly believe the Scripture. Write that down. You can take these notes home and use it for your own devotion time. The third one, you must know your teachers. That's important. Know who your, who your teachers are. Just because... Listen... Just because they carry a Bible and dress up in a suit and they have a TV ministry doesn't mean they're rightly dividing the Word of God. Be careful. Know your teachers. Know what they believe in. Know what their doctrine is. Know what they're teaching from, okay? Know your teachers. And all of this is from the passage of Scripture in in, uh, 2 Timothy. And then continue in the Scripture. Continue in the Scripture. Abide, dwell, remain, stay in God's Word. So the final question is this. Are you walking in the Word? Are we walking in it? Are we studying God's Word? Are we memorizing God's Word? Are we applying God's Word? Is God's Word just as important to us as our cell phones? I hope and pray that it is. Let's pray. Father, thank You for our time together. And thank You, Lord, for Your favor. And God, how You are are blessing us with Your favor. You're releasing spiritual blessings on us and you're leading us through this entire relocation process. And God, it's not an easy thing to walk by faith and not really know what tomorrow holds. But I'm so thankful that we know who holds tomorrow. And you've promised us you'd never leave us nor forsake us. And thank you for your favor that you have blessed us with. And God, help us to walk in your favor. To do that, we must walk in the newness of Jesus Christ. We must walk in this new nature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Old things are removed. The old lifestyle we don't want any part of. Why bring any of the old lifestyle into this new nature? 
we have willingly walked away from that. And now we're walking in your favor. We're walking in the newness of Jesus Christ. We're avoiding the very appearance of evil. If it appears to be evil, we're shunning it. We're striving to walk in the newness of Christ. God, we're also trying to walk in your word. Help us, God, to spend time to study your word. Help us, dear Lord, to spend time memorizing your word. But God, convict us if all we have is a head knowledge of your word. God, we need it to move down about 12, 18 inches into our very heart of our being, our soul, our spirit. And may we live out your word on a daily basis. May we apply your word as we study it to our lives. Father, maybe there's someone here today and, and Lord, they don't know you as their, their personal Savior. I pray that right now they would invite you into their life and May they pray a prayer something like this. Say, dear God, forgive me, I've sinned. And I believe that your son Jesus died for my sins on the cross. and That he was buried and he rose again. And right now I give him my life. Pray you'd come into my heart. Be my Savior. Maybe there's Christians that are here that have lost their first love as it pertains to your word. God, I pray that you'd create a hunger in our lives like we've never had before. Maybe restore that hunger that we had for your word the day, the moment we accepted you as our Savior and we came home and we just wanted to glean, spend time reading the Bible. Restore that love and that hunger to our spirits once again. Give us a thirst for your word like maybe we've never experienced before. God, we pray that you'd help us to study and memorize and apply your word. In Jesus' name we pray.